This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got uh, my good friends, uh, John Beeler and Graham Williams with me uh, as well. Uh, we have a, an interesting show. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking about controllers for uh, your favorite apps and games, uh, for especially Apple Arcade and different iOS games. That's right. Uh, what kind of controllers you can use uh, and how it's really opening up to be compatible across a lot of the different types that are out there, like Xbox and PlayStation ones. It's basically turned into a, its own console. Yeah, it's interesting to see how that's going to affect companies like Microsoft, Xbox, and, and Sony PlayStation. If they can, uh, uh, you know, adapt with that new reality. Nintendo's done a good job with the Switch. Yes. I think. Have you guys seen the uh, the Switch Lite? The no. One? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy man here bought one. <laughs> Even I though he has a Switch. I returned it. Did you? I did. Okay. I, I had buyer's remorse. Good. Because I already had a Switch and, you know, I want the idea is I wanted to have... So let me buy a crappier version of that. <laughs> it's actually a nicer version if you're playing it strictly in handheld mode. Really? Because you don't get the Joy-Con creak Oh, because those things come off on the they switch. They come off, so there's a bit of flex to it. On the light, it's actually very nice and tight. Got it. But it just wasn't quite... I, mean, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't enough of a change there for you to want right. to. Plus, you also can't plug the switch light into a TV. No, so. no. All right. Talk about controllers later. Uh, yeah, we're talking about some of the news right now. Uh, the Alexa Skill Store now has more than 100,000 voice apps. Surprising. I don't think so. I mean, I actually thought the number was higher already. I did too, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, voice skills. You know, Amazon would be the big one. Surprisingly, Google's still bigger here with their Google Home and Google Assistant in Canada. But that is different in the rest of the world. Down in the U.S., Amazon uh, is killing, killing Google. And I think it's because they basically made their voice skills or apps or whatever you want to call them kind of like an app store. And Google didn't do that. Well, and Amazon's also made it incredibly easy to develop skills for. It's literally drag and drop. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a lot of folks out there who are looking at the possibility of creating a skill, you've got an idea. This is, to your point, kind of like the App Store was. It made it very simple for people to go from idea to, you know, fleshed out concept to developed app. Voice skills are even simpler than that. The, I guess the big difference, though, is a skill isn't as easily monetized as an app would be. Yep. So you have to sort of weigh the pros and cons of that going down that path. If you're a developer or someone interested in developing a specific uh, skill, for example, is how are you going to pay for the ongoing maintenance of that? Or is this a bolt-on to something that already exists that it's just a further enhancement for your audience? I think from what I've seen and for the places that have monetized it, it's a vector into something that you're already monetizing. Yeah. So this is basically incremental uh, audience incremental sales and basically widening that group for you, which is working out really well for a lot of those developers out there. It's interesting too that the Google side hasn't really caught up in the skill department in that sense that it's not as ubiquitous as the I think Google skills. needs to rethink how they're doing it. Yeah. I think they need to make a change. Yeah. So conversely though, Apple has taken exactly the opposite direction here and it's kind of a weirdly uh, inverse situation. You know, Amazon's kind of playing the role of Apple with the store and the development, whereas Apple is turning development of these sort of skills back on individual users with their shortcuts. 
The Shortcuts app has been in iOS since iOS 12. Uh, it's vastly improved in iOS 13 and gives you an incredible amount of power and latitude. Like you can create shortcuts that do almost anything. I found uh, one shortcut online in the Sonos subreddit on reddit.com where a guy had taken an NFC sticker and he basically had it so that when he tapped his phone on this NFC sticker, it transferred what was playing on Spotify from his phone to his Sonos system at home. This feels incredibly Android-like to me. Like this feels not like Apple. It's powerful, it's flexible, it is something that users can go out there and do whatever they want with. That's a weird place for- Sounds complicated. It does. <laughs> like I said, it seems decidedly un Apple. Yeah, but, but, but really, having that, that level of customization is something that we've talked about lots of times that we wish Apple had yeah. for certain things that we're envious of the Android side of the fence having. So, so let's actually be clear. If you've been on an Android device, you've been able to do stuff like this for years. It's been a huge strength of the Android platform. And I know a lot of Android fanboys out there are going, wow, he's talking good about Android. No, you guys have had, you've had it great here. Um, the question is, are there enough power users on the Apple side who care about uh, this? Maybe stuff? they're trying to lure them over, right? They've already yeah. got the, uh, the mass market who don't want to mess around with that. Uh, so maybe this is kind of a, uh, an olive branch out to those power yeah. users. And the neat thing about shortcuts is they are very shareable. That's right. So, so you don't even have to know how to do it. You just need to find someone else that already did it for you. Kind of okay. like if this, then that. I don't yeah. care about this anymore. I want to talk about my Tesla. <laughs> uh, tell, tell me about your Tesla. Okay. Uh, I have a Model 3. Loving it. They just came out with the update uh, 10 for it. And oh my God, I don't know if you've seen all these new releases on it. Uh, so it's got car karaoke now. Karaoke. Karaoke. It is all kinds of awesome. Uh, you can use it while you're driving. Uh, it's even better when you're parked. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because when you, <laughs> you're not crashing. Uh, but you can get the whole car, all the passengers involved. When you're driving, you don't get the lyrics. When you're parked, the lyrics come up. Brilliant. So you Did, can pick from all sorts of songs. Does it actually give you a video then of all the in-car camera no, angles? No. There's, oh. no. there's no camera inside the car. I thought there if, was. If there was, there, that would be cool. Yeah. Not that I know of. There probably is. Elon Musk is watching me drive to work what singing I, 45 minutes a day. To Shakira. Yeah. What I would like from you right now yes. is a video rendition mm -hmm. of you singing Gary Newman's Cars in your Tesla 3. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so uh, there was a number of other, they got new games uh, in there. Cuphead? Cuphead. Uh, Canadian? Canadian. Canadian it's a game. super popular. It was started, I think, on the Xbox first, and yeah. it, it uh, just came out for the Switch a little while ago. You're going to need a USB controller. You will. Yeah. Uh, again, you have to be parked. Incredibly uh, difficult game. Yes. That's what I've heard. I haven't actually played it yet. That, that would be actually, like, it's great for road rage, you know, while you're parked. <laughs> uh, and they have Tesla Theater, so you will be able to watch Netflix and YouTube in your car. Take the drive-in with you wherever you okay, go. Okay, so you do have to be parked, and you do have to have Wi-Fi. For that. I was wondering about that because that seems like an awfully quick way to burn through your data. Totally. So uh, another announcement, uh, which is great news for um, the Model 3 owners that didn't buy like the high-end version. Uh, now they've also included uh, the internet browser. Oh, nice. So that, that was an option before. Welcome to 1999. Well, you had to pay thousands more for that next level up. So I'm excited about that. And Spotify works now. However, uh, to use Spotify, this is weird, you have to be parked and you have to have Wi-Fi. That's super odd. It's kind of weird. But on the other hand, 
Bluetooth still works really well, and uh, now you'll be able to see all the cover art and everything come up on the screen. You couldn't do that before, but it only works with iOS 13. Can you download? Baby steps. Can you download your, download your playlist to your phone and play yeah. it that way? Oh yeah, totally. Without having to be connected. Yeah, because you can Bluetooth right, right okay. to the, the stereo. Okay. Anyway, all sorts of little good goody updates there. So I'm pretty excited about it. I guess that's the benefit of having a car that's built on software. Oh yeah, it's well, amazing. So so this is kind of I brought my because I've got a Mini Countryman and I was having a problem with the back door opening automatically. So I took it and, and they're like, "There's a software update." And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if I could have just done that myself? Well, you know what's so funny? I was with my daughter. Uh, we drove down to Costco in Bellingham across the border. And so as I parked in the parking lot, uh, my screen on my Tesla, you know, it's like a, the car's like a giant iPad. Uh, it, a little thing came up. Hey, there's an update. Uh, do you want to schedule this uh, later uh, tonight? Or you can do it now. It's going to take about 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, okay. So Costco? Yeah. I just uh, hit yeah and uh, went into Costco, did my shopping, came out. My car was completely updated, <laughs> which which is pretty cool. Was it clean as well? No. No. There's, <laughs> it's not self-cleaning? There's They're still McDonald's bags in the, <laughs> on the floor in the back. Okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple interesting companies. We're going to talk about Uber. They are changing uh, or evolving their business model to be kind of like your dashboard for life. Uh, and we'll also talk about WeWork. And I want to talk about these companies. They're disruptors. And are they disrupting business in a good way or are they harming business? WeWork tried to go IPO to raise money in the public markets. It failed. They've retreated from that. But some economists and experts are saying now these companies like WeWork and Uber uh, are great, yes, for disrupting these industries. But at the same time, they are stifling innovation and growth and killing businesses. Uh, based on subsidizing business models that probably will never make money. So we're going to chat about that. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got John Beeler and Graham Williams with me. want to talk about uh, some of the disruptors out in the marketplace. We've heard of, uh, obviously, Uber, Lyft, WeWork is a, another big company that uh, basically rents up or buys commercial space, fancies them up, and then rents out desks and offices to uh, entrepreneurs and uh, digital nomads. A co-working space. A co-working space, essentially. Well, WeWork, they tried to go IPO. They wanted to raise money, cash in, <laughs> so, so to speak. It failed. They retracted and they're not doing the IPO now. They're losing billions of dollars, much like Uber is losing billions of dollars. And some experts are saying now, this is going to be a problem. A lot of these companies might have a hard time raising money in the future, uh, which we've seen with WeWork now, because there's no chance of them ever becoming profitable anytime soon. Which is disappointing because some of these ideas are very disruptive. They're very customer facing with benefits. Having you know this system of uh, co-working spaces you can go to around the world is very attractive, especially if you're a business traveler or a nomad, that type of thing. But at the same time, what is happening on the local level from the real estate perspective for all the other businesses that have to be around those spaces that are disruptive? Well, look at WeWork. Uh, apparently huge chunks of commercial real estate in Manhattan are basically under the WeWork brand now. And that's a problem because it's driving up the rents and the prices for commercial real estate. 
Gee, that sounds familiar. Where have <laughs> I heard that before? Yeah. And so the problem is, is that you're going up against a multi-billion dollar company that can afford to lose money. So how do you as a smaller player even compete in that space? Same with Uber. I, I, you know, I've, I've been hard on the taxi uh, industry and you know, for good reason. They haven't evolved their model f- since the beginning of time and it's just not working. And it's not only their fault, but I think it's you know, government and, and regulation uh, as well. But how do they compete now? You've got Uber that's come in, and it's a multi-billion dollar company. They've raised billions of dollars, and they are essentially subsidizing their service. They are, because they can afford, and they are losing money. They're losing billions of dollars. No, no, here's the thing. We've actually seen this happen a number of times. And let me give you two different perspectives here. So one of them being Facebook. Facebook, when it launched, lost billions until around, what was it, 2012, when they decided to finally actually get serious and make some money. And when they changed the way that they monetized advertising, they were able to find a market. They turned themselves into one of the most profitable companies in the world. So it really comes down to business model at that point. Yeah, but I can see Facebook, right? Because I can see how you can do advertising. It's kind of like the Google model. But don't forget, though, back in 2012, when Facebook did that, I actually gave a talk at South by Southwest about this exact topic Mm. because, you know, up until that point, Facebook was a fun place to hang out. It was like a party. Yes. Right with your friends and all that kind of stuff. When they started going to uh, this, you know, advertising and, and more business model and actually trying to make money, they started changing the features that people loved and alienated a lot of users. I mean, a lot of those users have since come back. <laughs> they got two billion users. Well, no, but the they thing is, you stop the party. There's ads here now. People would always complain about a service they're not paying for. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you kind of need to look at WeWork and say, so what do you need to tweak about yourself in order to be profitable? This comes down to operating your business. What does your business plan look like? And why are you losing money right now? And this really comes down to the leadership you, of that tell, company. I can tell you why. They've got too much space and they're not charging enough money uh, to recoup the money that they're either renting or you know, if they've bought that and, space. And this is just like the e-scooter industry where they're all, you know, spending a ton of money to maintain these things, but they're not charging enough to actually cover their costs. They're just burning through investor capital. So I said I was going to give you two different perspectives. I'm going to give you another one, which is Google, right? Google has a tendency, highly funded company, to go in to a space. My favorite one, newsreaders. Yes. Right? We saw Google News come in. They killed the paid newsreader market by giving that product away for free and then decided they weren't interested in being there anymore. So what this comes down to, I think, is really two things. One, how do we make sure that these companies that are sucking billions of dollars from investors who are really just rolling the dice and hoping that they hit the next Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is, how do we make sure that they actually have a solid business plan behind them? And two, how do we look at these companies and say, do you actually have a plan for profitability? Do you have a plan for growth? Well, the market's supposed to reward and punish those companies. And it's but it's, it's Well, but it's, it's... Plenty of investors like throwing money at interesting ideas. You figure out the business model. Here's some money to keep you going. Yeah. But so how long can Uber go? So they're even changing their model now. They're yeah. trying to kind of be your uh, dashboard, your uh, operating system for life. So now when you're going to go into the Uber app, and we still don't know about that in Vancouver here, uh, but you'll choose between a couple different options. Do you want to ride or do you want to eat? Because they've got Uber Eats as well. Uh, so they are trying to get into all sorts of different transportation modes because you can rent bikes now and scooters and helicopters. Uh, And on the eating side, uh, I mean, they're really pushing that whole experience uh, as well. Trying to compete against, obviously, like skip the dishes and what have you. Right. So 
you know, can they make money doing that? Obviously, we're going to see them try to get into more things. Are they going to get into like an Airbnb situation as well? Uh, Take I'm over tell- work. I'm telling you right now, over the next two years, they're going to get into crazy stuff that we're going to be like wondering, huh? But it's because they're not freaking making money on losing on ride sharing. Which again, you kind of go back to the taxi industry and say, well, how can you compete against that? Vancouver is an interesting place because Uber is not here. And the the taxi industry here has been given every opportunity to look at that awake giant everywhere else that's lumbering towards it and fix these things. I know, but it's hard, right? Because it's not just them. They've got all these regulations that the governments have laid out for them. Hey, uh, I can pick you up downtown Vancouver because I'm a Vancouver taxi. I drop you off in White Rock. I can't pick up another ride there. I got to come all the way back to Vancouver. So everything's geo-fenced as to where they can actually operate. There's only so many of them that can operate. So I don't know if they had much opportunity to evolve or it would be harder for them to evolve because they'd have to be going up against government regulations all the time. And now they're trying to, they're complaining against those same regulators for, you know, some relief from the impending Uber landing here. It's a huge discussion. We're not going to get all the answers today, but we're going to keep talking about this uh, on the program. When we come back from the break here on the app show, it's our hot five app countdown. This week, we're throwing some love out to the, uh, the Android folks out there. We do cover a lot of uh, iPhone stuff. We had one gentleman write in saying that, uh, are we the iPhone show? No. Uh, we have our hot five cool Android apps that aren't available on the iPhone, right? That's right. You're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the app show. Before we get to the hot five app countdown, and that's for all our uh, Android fans out there, top five Android apps that aren't available on the iPhone. Uh, let's. Uh, Throw some love to the iPhone, folks. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. What we got, Graham? So I've recently picked up an iPhone 11 Pro, and I've got to tell you, I absolutely Sweet. love it. So you're rich. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no. You're I was poor, rich. You're poor now. Um, and so Nightshot on this phone is absolutely amazing. Right? You open the camera app, all you have to do is point it at something at night, and it will tell you in the top left-hand corner how long you need to hold your phone relatively still for. You don't have to be stock still, but relatively still. I'm working on that still. In, in order to get the shot. And we'll usually say one second, three seconds. Uh, I've taken a picture in almost complete darkness and it's just three seconds and you end up with a great picture of a subject that you can see. It's, it's, it's like, where's the light? There's no light there. <laughs> it's absolutely mind blowing. Uh, so there's an interesting feature though, because you can, you can go up to 10 seconds with this to capture as much light as possible. Did you know you can go past that? To 11 seconds? You can go all the way up. Is it the spinal tap <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> option? <laughs> it turns it up to 11 and then beyond. Uh, the iPhone actually can detect when it is mounted on a tripod. And oh, so that's right, yeah. If you do need to take a picture that is not turning out with up to 10 seconds of night shot exposure. Like the stars? Like the stars, you can put it on a tripod. Now, we've actually had some people out there go out and create some beautiful photos of the night sky in places where you can see the night sky. A 30-second exposure on a tripod will do that. How do you do it? Put it on a tripod, tap that number in the top left-hand corner, and you'll be able to scroll all the way up to a much higher rate of time. That's for all the uh, the photographers out there or the photo enthusiasts. Well, it's that time. The weekly app, Hot 5. Okay, our Hot 5 app countdown this week. Hot 5 Android apps that aren't available on the the iPhone. Yeah, these are all fairly new Android apps doing some kind of feature or or functionality that isn't natively available on the iPhone platform. 
I'm sure uh, Mr. Graham here will uh, pipe yes. in on every single one of this. Okay, <laughs> we're going to start off with number five, shortcut creator, Graham. So do you love to have customized shortcuts on your phone's home screen? Of course you do. You use Android. So you're going to fall in love with shortcut creator. Suggestive of its name, it lets you use shortcuts of frequently used files, settings, and contacts so you can access them with a single touch when you unlock your screen. Can't you create shortcuts on like a, an icon? You can, but these are for things like contacts. If you want a quick contact, oh, I like write it. Them shortcut yeah. creator. Yeah. Okay, number four on the Hot 5 app countdown this week here on the App Show, LaunchBoard. Yeah, so uh, on Android, typically you would have your app drawer full of all your apps you've downloaded, and you can pick and choose what's actually going to be on your dashboard. LaunchBoard allows you to search through all of that really easily. It actually puts a little keyboard as a widget on your home screen. You just start typing, and it will actually pull up all the apps that match that type. This is kind of like on, on iOS when you pull down and you have the search bar, uh, but this gives you a widget that you can put anywhere on your on your Android's dashboard. But it does exist on the iPhone. Well, you get to skip Sim- the pull down step. It's Yeah, it's similar. And you can put this anywhere you want on your dashboard too. Got it. So it can be on the secondary screen or something like that. Cool, cool. Number three on the Hot 5 app countdown this week, we've got the clipboard manager, Graham. So have you ever copied a text snippet only to have it overwritten because you had something else in there that you wanted to paste before? All the time. So if your keyboard doesn't support (laughs) clipboard features, because some keyboards do, you'll find yourself in in this situation more often than you'd like. So clipboard manager changes that with a very simple yet powerful app. It stores everything in its archive when you copy any text. So when you need the text again, just copy it again from the app. You can also add sticky notifications so you can get that uh, access to that app with just the touch of a finger. Do you have to have, you have to go into the app to get it, I guess? You can, but being able to pop that app up really quick is quite nice. So it kind of gives you this floating virtual clipboard that's everywhere that you need it. Yeah. Okay, number two on the Hot 5 app countdown, and we're giving love here to the Android uh, users out there, Chrono. Chrono is a really clever tool that replicates your phone notifications in your browser meaning that you do not have to open your phone time and time again to check your notifications. So if you're on your laptop, you've got Chrome going. Uh, this is basically a Chrome extension that you install on your laptop or desktop. Uh, and then it uses uh, basically this particular app will then talk to that Chrome extension, piping mm-hmm. all your notifications into your browser window. That's cool. Yeah. But you'd obviously have to be logged in with your Google account on your Chrome browser. Correct. Yes. Well, that's super handy. Okay. Number one on the Hot 5 app countdown this week, Graham, we're going to throw it back to you. Flip D&D. I like this one. So Flip D&D, this app switches your phone to do not disturb mode when you put it face down. Handy, right? It flips it back into normal mode when you flip it face up. So you still need to configure D&D on your phone as to how it behaves, but flip it down, do not disturb, flip it up. Back to regular mode. D&D, again, standing for Do Not Disturb. <laughs> That's right. As opposed to Flip Dungeons and Dra- Dragons, which is a completely separate app. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, uh, we still have a lot more to talk about here on the App Show. Of course, uh, later on, we'll have our uh, game app of the week, and John's got his favorite pick of the week. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about uh, how easy it is to start using some of the controllers you already have uh, for your iPhone and uh, iOS users. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got uh, fellow app nerds John Beeler and Graham Williams. Want to talk a little bit about uh, mobile gaming now? Huge, huge industry. I think it's over $60 billion a year now, which just dwarfs so many other things. 
I think the big reason is because we all have smartphones with us. So uh, it makes it super easy to, you know, take a few moments away to, to play some of your, your favorite, uh, favorite games. And the thing is, these things are so powerful now. Like these games are in like 4K. They're beautiful. Like the processing power in these phones, just as powerful as a lot of the laptops and computers and game consoles that uh, are uh, out there. But it's even easier now to actually take advantage of uh, the full advantage of these games because, uh, for example, on iOS, you can actually hook up uh, wireless Xbox and Sony PlayStation controllers. You can indeed. So the, the Sony PlayStation DualShock 4, it's a common controller out there, that is Bluetooth enabled already. If you're looking at an Xbox controller, you need to get the Xbox Bluetooth Edition controller. The first generation of Xbox One controllers doesn't work. Yes, I didn't know that. Okay, so but, but the, this also the controller works. has to be Bluetooth, right? And there's a lot of other great companies that make uh, these for those consoles. Yeah, but now they're also compatible with iOS yeah. and Android. Yeah, and Steel Series they make a great Bluetooth yes. controller. So yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, for you know iPhone users, you can actually also cast these these games up to an Apple TV as well. I mean, if you do have an Apple TV, you could just download the app on the Apple TV itself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's the interesting thing. Um, with the Apple TV, like you said, it's got Apple Arcade now, so you can use these games natively. The really fun one for me, though, is PlayStation Remote Play. And how's that work? So this is an app that's on your iPad or your iPhone. You can pair up a Bluetooth controller to it, and you can actually remotely connect to your PlayStation anywhere in the world. And so you what can, kind of connection would you have to have, though? Five megabits per second. Okay. So as long as you got five megabits per second, and is that fast enough? Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, it it might depend on the game. You're not going to want to be, you know, the lead person in a in a, a, a co-op game and having some stuttering happening. But so I've, I've actually played that. Uh, so I've played Destiny Two on my iPad and I've played it on my iPhone. I've done it over LTE, which the Rogers LTE network is actually fast enough for me to play the game with almost no lag whatsoever. Um, so let me get this straight. So you've got your Sony PlayStation at home. Yep. Obviously it's gotta be on and connected to the internet. Well, here's the thing. It can be in rest mode and you can turn it on remotely by logging into the app. And you've got a lot of these games on the hard drive. Yes. There. So you can be on your iPhone or your iPad. You can have a wireless controller with you. Yep. And Bob's your uncle. That's correct. So I've done this the like- The times said, we live in. I've done it on LTE. Uh, the network here at the office is a little slow. Not that I've tested it. <laughs> I would concur with that. Uh, what I will well, say though- They say we get more than five megabits. <laughs> Uh, I will say, though, that when I am playing uh, Destiny, uh, the cooperative aspect is actually, it's fast enough to do that. Uh, the player versus player where you're playing against other people, I found the lag is a little high, so I end up doing not as well as I usually would. But it's interesting, though, because this is also the premise behind Google Stadia game streaming service, is that most home internet is going to be good enough to allow you to do this using a Chromecast. So what's going to happen to consoles, guys? Because, you know, I, I was down at CES this year and Intel is showing off this hardware uh, along with a good internet connection um, that it's going to be built right into TVs and you'll be able to stream like 4K you know high frame rate games without having a console you can be you can take those consoles and put it in the pile with all of our DVDs and CDs so yeah so where does that leave Sony and Microsoft Xbox so here's the thing I think Microsoft and Sony have about one generation of consoles left you know the Xbox 
1.1, whatever it is that's going to be next, uh, the Sony PlayStation 5. That's probably going to be the last generation of big iron hardware in your home because the idea of paying $600 for a new piece of equipment doesn't really resonate with a lot of people, especially when you do have the high-speed data centers like Google Stadia where you're getting 4K 60 frames per second and you didn't have to buy the darn thing. You know, for 30 bucks a month, you get it. It's great. Well, Apple Arcade, six bucks, six bucks a month. Yep. Uh, the Sony one is 30 bucks a month? Uh, so that's the Google Stadia. Oh, Google right? Stadia, yes. Uh, is 30 or is it 20? I don't think it's that much. Is it not? Anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll figure out pricing later. But when, when you look at it, Apple Arcade's interesting because you still need to have the processing power locally. Yeah. Um, with Stadia, the processing power is all off-site. Somebody else is burning the electricity, and it's really coming through your data pipe. The question here now is, do we have fast enough internet for this to happen? And yes, we do. The, the real kicker here is going to be when we do go to 5G. Right, that big wide bandwidth, persistent connections in areas where we need it, where you won't even need to have the processing power locally on your phone anymore. No, because you'll just stream it. You'll stream it. So that I think is going to be an interesting thing. I think we're in our last generation of consoles with the PlayStation 5. So you won't own your games anymore. Well, and you kind of do and you don't right now. Stadia has this interesting approach, right, where you've got your subscription or you can buy the games. Yeah. Uh, Sony right now has the same sort of thing. You can get PlayStation Now, where you have a monthly subscription, they have PlayStation 4 games on there, or you can buy the game outright and it's digital. Yeah, same with Nintendo. You still have a cartridge, Yep. or you can have a digital download. I, I still stuck with the cartridges because I can then sell them or trade them in when I get bored of that particular game. Um, and that's one aspect of this whole process that is interesting in the gaming space because being able to take that $100 game or that $80 game that you bought and then trade it in after a couple of months of play, you can't do that with the digital download. You can't even share it. But you won't even be digitally downloading stuff anymore. Like in a couple of years, it's going to all be subscription-based. It'll like be music. like Spotify. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the thing. We've had this conversation before. Back in 2000. See, Uber can get into gaming. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. We, we've had this conversation before, right, where it was, well, you know, I, I like my CDs because I can resell my CDs. And if I buy the music on iTunes, I can't sell my CDs anymore. Well, I like buying my music because I don't want to stream it because if I cancel my subscription, I don't have my MP3s anymore. We've been through this already. Yes. We've been through it with music. We've been through it with movies. We're going through it with games. And in all cases, streaming, streaming, streaming. Do you know who likes this? My wife. Yeah. I look at my TV now in my family room. Do you remember back just even 10 years ago? Uh, There's like more wire back there to choke 20 horses. And, you know, I, I remember I'd go in cleaning my wires every six months and I'd come out with 10 wires that really didn't go anywhere anymore. I don't know where <laughs> they came from. It's because we had like DVD players. We had game consoles, like all kinds of crap hooked up to our TVs. And now that's not the case anymore. I look at my TV now. Nothing. There's nothing hooked up to it. I've got an Apple TV, but I, I've like zap strapped that to the back of the TV and bam. Right. Bob's my uncle. 900 DVDs is what I had at one point. I had an Ikea um, Expedit stuffed with DVDs. You, <laughs> you know had an Ikea stuffed with DVDs. You know how many I have now? I've got 30 Blu-rays and 10 DVDs. It's so sad. Tucked away in a box. Graham, I, I was in the same situation. I, I probably had 500 DVDs. Maybe even more. Like, you know, all the kids ones. Uh, I remember going to Roger's Video all the time and buying them, you know, in the, the little bin there for like 10 bucks, a DVD. I thought, I'm living the dream. This is so cheap. And now, you know, I, I sold them finally. I basically put them all in a box, put them on Craigslist, and I think for all of the 500, uh, I sold them off in boxes. And I think maybe I got $80 or $100. <laughs> Do you know how much that cost me? That must that was thousands, probably like 10, 
10 to 20 grand in DVD investment. Gone. But the $80 for a pizza dinner for your family afterwards was so delicious. Changing times. So game consoles. Predictions, guys, in after this generation, there's not going to be game consoles. Why anymore. would you have big iron in your house when somebody else can handle it for you? But then also Nintendo's, the Switch has sort of proven that there's still a market for handheld gaming too. But with 5G, are you going to need it? We'll see. We're going to have to take another break here on the App Show. When we come back, we do have our game app of the week. And of course, John has his app pick of the week uh, as well. And hopefully this is going to be even more interesting than uh, my talking pet from, <laughs> from last week, which still is one of my favorite apps. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike, John, and Graham here. Got time for a couple more apps before we get to John's pick of the week. Graham, do you have a game app for us? I do, and it's the bane of furniture manufacturers everywhere. Do you remember playing The Floor is Lava when you were a kid? Yes. Yes, there is a new game out called Hot Lava, and you play someone who is running across cars and furniture and everything, but don't touch the floor because the floor is lava. It's this really cool third-person platforming game that is absolutely ridiculous and will kind of bring out the, uh, the, the, the child in you once again. I kind of like this. Yeah. That's very cool. It's a ton of fun. Now, it is part of Apple Arcade. So, again, your $5.99 subscription, everybody in the family gets to play it. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Do it. Yeah. What is that a, a year? Six times 12, 60 bucks. It's the price of one video game if you buy it off and the And you shelf. get your first month free. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. I feel like I should be getting a commission from Apple on this. You should. You should. Uh, the name of this game again? Hot Lava. Hot Lava. If you played, uh, played that game when you were a kid on the sofas and cushions in your house, you're gonna love it. How much is it? It is free with oh. Apple Arcade. Oh, with Apple Arcade, there you go. Okay, John, what's your pick of the week? So uh, we've talked about this before, uh, but they just had a major revamp to it. And this is Ikea's AR, augmented reality app called Place. Okay. It allows you, the previous version allowed you to basically take a look at that couch you're looking at purchasing and actually using your smartphone's camera, position it in your home. But not everyone goes there to buy one item. So they've expanded it. They actually have room sets now. So you can actually decorate an entire room of your house with multiple pieces of furniture so you get a really good flavor for what that room is going to look like using your smartphone's camera. And is it cool? Does it work? Yeah, it's very cool. You know, back in the day... (laughs) (laughs) I had to remember what my house looked like before I went to Ikea. Right. Drive all the way out to Ikea... And then hope to God that I could find something in that crowd. I mean, the great thing about this, though, too, is it takes into account things like the measurements of your room. It tells you that couch is not going to fit in that room. Honestly, like being able to see more than one piece was the number one feature I wanted from this app. I am so happy to hear this. Yeah. And you just redecorated your plate. You just moved. So so this would have been perfect like about a month ago. (laughs) I've actually still got a couple of things to buy. So brilliant. Well done. Okay. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to listen to our podcast versions of the app show and our sister show, Get Connected. Getconnectedmedia.com is the website. Podcasts are up there. Videos, our social, YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. This is Mike, John, and Graham signing off for the App Show. See you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.